so just to catch up, uh, you know, we're down in about every six weeks now, so it's hard to keep a rhythm going here. But uh, the last couple times we talked about the word Jew and how that word got into the Bible. It was an it's an abbreviation for the word Judea or Judah. And it first showed up around the 12th century A.D. in our English versions after the first Anglo-Saxon translations. And this is probably after the Khazars adopted Judaism in the 7th century and likely developed this abbreviated name. And it did not appear in our English translations until the 18th century. So we talked about uh, the word Jew was not originally in the scripture. It was Judean or Judah. And so then we studied, well, who is Judah? Who is the tribe of Judah? And we studied the divided kingdoms and how the kingdom of Judah added the tribe of Benjamin and the Levites. And then those who feared God from the other tribes in the kingdom of Israel trickled over to the kingdom of by the time of their return to Jerusalem after Babylonian servitude, the kingdom of Judah was referred to as Israel again, or Judah and Benjamin, and were referred to as Judeans in the country of Judea in the New Testament. So what I thought we would do tonight, and I've learned some things out of this study, but we're going to look at the development of the Judeans from where the Old Testament left off at around 400 B.C. all the way to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in A.D. 70. So I'm going to go through uh, slides, and I'll give you the numbers uh, so we're on the same track. You could probably please. So if you got these on your device, uh, you can minimize Peltalk and open them up on your device, or you can maybe use a second device um, to go along. But if not, um, we're going to start with slide number two, um, which is the start. The There's four deportations of Judeans to Babylon. So we're going to do a little background here. Um, the companion Bible note on page 640 talks about these four deportations of Judeans to Babylon. Uh, there was one 580 to 570 B.C., which was Manasseh, the king, and then 497 B.C., uh, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim and Daniel were taken. Daniel was considered one of the priestly uh, uh, elites, I guess, uh, their families in Jerusalem. And then 489 B.C., Jehoiachin and Mordecai were taken to Babylon and, and that deportation. And then the final deportation was Zedekiah, uh, which was the sort of the false king uh, after Jehoiachin that Nebuchadnezzar uh, named. So slide number three, Appendix 50 in the Companion Bible. Show some dates near the end of the Old Testament. And, uh, 
from like, for example, the 70 years of Babylonian servitude was from 497 B.C. to 426. And then in 477 B.C. is when Jerusalem was taken and the temple burned. Uh, that was 477 B.C. From 470-26 was the kingdom of uh, Persia, actually, Darius and uh, Ahasuerus, Artaxerxes, Asteriage. These are all the same guy. These are four names for the same person. And this is one of the big kingdoms set up on the earth at that time, one of the largest. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then 454 B.C., Nehemiah uh, went back to Jerusalem to rebuild. 426 B.C., Cyrus decrees to rebuild the temple. And in 405 B.C., the temple was completed and dedicated, and this is called the second temple. Now, slide number four, we have the chronology of some of the Old Testament ending books. So these are just some notes to keep on hand, just to kind of put things in order in your mind. But Second Chronicles is about 426 B.C., and that's when the temple was uh, to be rebuilt, when Cyrus, the king of Babylon, he was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, I believe. And then the book of Daniel runs between, according to Bullinger's notes, uh, 497 to 4 B.C., Esther runs between 472 to 461 B.C. Nehemiah runs 455 to 403 B.C. And Ezra runs 426 to 403 B.C. So they go right up to just past the dedication of the second temple in the end of the Old Testament. And uh, you don't need to remember all this, but it's just some good reference points to keep in mind. And I'm going to go through some other facts here, but we're going to get into some interesting stuff here in a few minutes. So hang on with all this stuff. Um, the three major events in Judah under the Persians, this is when they came back to Jerusalem. They were still under Persian rule. Um, one was the rebuilding of the temple, of course, in Jerusalem under the high priest Joshua, son of Josedek. And the governor is Sarah, the son of Sheatiel, and that was 410 B.C. And then there was the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, and that was the development of some of the limited autonomy of Judah. And number three was the establishment in Judah of the Judean law under Ezra. So those are the three major things that happened during their rule in Jerusalem um, after they left captivity. So slide number six, we're going to talk about the second temple period. This is the period we're going to cover tonight, which goes from the completion of the temple under the Persians in 405 B.C. all the way to 70 A.D., and the destruction of the, of the temple by the Romans. So we have um, several empires that 
you call this Gentile rule as prophesied by Daniel, but there's several uh, empires that the Judeans were living under in Israel, in Judea. And, of course, the first one was the Persians from 400 B.C. to 334 B.C. And we'll talk about each one of these individually in a minute. Uh, Macedon, which is the Greek Empire, was 334 B.C. to 301 B.C. And then his empire was divided up into under five of his, I think four or five of his generals uh, divided the kingdom after Alexander the Great. And Ptolemy, and that starts with a P, but the P is silent. Uh, like for those who wear diapers, the P is silent. I said that. But uh, Ptolemy, 301 B.C. to 200 B.C. And then this... Uh, then they were uh, under the rule of the uh, Suclids from 200 B.C. to 142 B.C. And then the Maccabees, the Hasmoneans, in uh, for about 80 years and really gave, uh, for a little period of time, uh, Judea some independence until the, finally the Romans came in in 63 B.C. under the Herods and controlled Israel uh, until A.D. 70 and beyond. So let's go to slide number eight. And uh, <clears throat> this is a picture of the um, Medo-Persian Empire. And this was uh, reached its greatest extent by Darius. Now, there are several Dariuses, but uh, this Darius... Um, created the king, the largest kingdom on earth at the time. And this was a kingdom involving Esther. And Esther the king. And so keep that in mind. Esther was part of this huge kingdom, quite a, quite a kingdom. And in slide number nine, uh, under this uh, Babylonian servitude with Without a city and temple, we even way back in Babylon to preserve Judaism, these, they set up these uh, uh, assembly house called the Beit Knesset. They set up houses of study, Beit Midrash, and they set up houses of prayer, Beit Tiflat, because there was no temple, and they were under Babylonian captivity. And I thought about this today. I know Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego would not bow down to the idol Nebuchadnezzar. But I wonder about what all the Judeans did. Did they bow down to that beast at that time? Just, just a thought. And, of course, when we get into back in Jerusalem in slide number 10, uh, Slide number nine, Ezra instituted the public reading of the Torah on Mondays and Thursdays and on the Sabbath. And this is when different schools of thought begin to develop in, under this um, Medo-Persian empire, as you would say. And then the next empire, Alexander the Great, comes in and defeats 
of the Persians and sets up the, the Greek Macedon Empire and we're at number 10. And this is from 334 B.C. to 301. So it wasn't very long. It was only about 30 years, actually. And But Alexander the Great uh, brought about Hellenism. We're going to talk about Hellenism on the next slide. And this is when um, you have two groups, the Hellenians and the Hellenizers, during this time. And the Pharisees developed synagogues to pursue Judaism from Hellenism. Slide number 11. <clears throat> so Hellenism is defined as the Greek history and culture and art and philosophy under Alexander the Great. Centered around polytheistic, many, many gods, and animal worship. And this is we talked about before. I think Ronnie talked about this way back with the uh, <clears throat> uh, fallen angels. The devotees are the Greek gods of mythology. Which are, there is the, the original Greek gods, and then there, from them came the Olympians, which were the immortals and mortals and divinities and the titans and the spirits of nature, such as the nymphs and the underworld deities and heroes. This is where we get the words uh, church and hell from Kirky and hell, those uh, gods and goddesses in the Greek uh, mythology. So this all came from Hellenism. So this starts to develop into Judaism. So uh, both physical and spiritual ancestors were honored and greatly honored, but these are false, false gods. And then and, and, uh, slide 12, the Judeans began to travel abroad into Hellenistic cities and adopt the Greek language. So now Judaism is at risk. So now um, at Alexandria, the Judean law, the Torah was translated into Greek in the 3rd century B.C., and this is the translation of the Torah by 70 men called the Septuagint. So the Septuagint was translated in two parts. The first part was under the Macedonian Empire, and that was just the Torah. The Old Testament books were translated in the 2nd century B.C., under the next empire. So now we're on slide uh, 13. And so sex began to arise. S-E-C-T-S. Begin to arise. So you have the Hasidians. These are of Judea. They were called the pious ones. They were zealous for religion. They were the legal sect. They were... Uh, known for their narrowness. They were the party of rebellion. They wanted freedom for Judah from all these Gentile rule. So then you had the Hellenizers, which was the political sect. They were more broad in their thinking. They thought the Greek life was all right in the culture, but they wanted to be in charge of the government, and they were descendants of Zodiac, 
So these are the ones we would call the uh, political elite. So next slide, 14. So the Hasidians, they wanted to save Judaism from Hellenism. So the scribes, which were the rabbis, recorded rabbinical laws. The oral part of what was passed down from Moses. And these Hellenians were the forerunners of the Pharisees. The Hellenizers are more the forerunners of the Sadducees. They were liberal. They embraced Hellenism for some reason. So, slide number 15. We have now the Pharisees. These were people of the middle class. They were all about not just the Torah, but the oral laws that went along with the Torah. And the Pharisees were the ones who developed the synagogues. That's very important to keep in mind. They were the middle class people. Sadducees were the elite. They were the priests. They were about the Torah only, no oral law. And they were, they stuck around the temple. They were in charge of the temple and they, they were all about the temple. Slide number 16. <clears throat> so the synagogues were developed by the Pharisees in cities that had at least ten men in order to preserve and religion uh, because they were fighting off Hellenism. <clears throat> Pharisees were very influential at the local level because they had the synagogues in every little town. The Sadducees just had the temple in Jerusalem. Slide number 16. So, when Alexander the Great died, the Judeans became under Ptolemy. He had the southern part, which includes Egypt and that area. But, as you can see, Israel is, and Judea was part of that a king, that, that part of that dynasty. The first part of the Septuagint was done in Alexandria. The Talmud was codified. Slide number 16. The, I'm sorry, number 18. The Talmud, um, the portion of the Talmud called the Mishnah or the second law contains this oral law. This is the digest of the Jewish and a compendium of the whole ritual law. It came at length to be esteemed far above the sacred text in Jesus' time. The second Talmud, called the Gemara, expounds broadly on the Hebrew Bible and other subjects. In fact, it contains 63 books containing the teachings and opinions of thousands of rabbis from about 200 B.C., to A.D. 500. Imagine trying to digest all of that information. So now we're on slide 19. The Judeans now became under the uh, Suclid Empire, which was just on the other side of them to the north and the east. 
and that was from 200 B.C. for about 60 years to 142 B.C. And this is when the Septuagint was translated into the Greek. And then they came under the Hasmonean dynasty around uh, 142 B.C. to 63 B.C., through about 80 years. You can see there. This is when we get into the Maccabees and the um, um, Simons and these other people that were part of this uh, Hasmonean dynasty, and around Jerusalem all the way out to what we know as Judea today. And this independence really thrived. They kind of broke away from these other empires now, and they're sort of on their own. And this is where the Pharisees really came prominent. The Pharisees really <clears throat> became important during this time. And then on the next slide, um, 21, they were under the Roman Empire from 63 B.C. to 70 A.D. This was under the Herod, Herods. So in the next slide, uh, 22, the Herods <clears throat> were actually Edomites. They come from Esau. They were not from Jacob. But they adopted Judaism as their religion, kind of like the Khazars did later on. So they became the kings of Israel, but they really weren't um, part of Jacob's family. And Israel became a client state of Rome because Herod the Great convinced Rome to end the Hasmonean dynasty, which they did. And slide 23, then we developed the Sanhedrin during this time. These are the rabbinic, rabbinite courts. The Pharisees and the scribes were part of this Sanhedrin. They were loyal people. They were loyal to Judah. They were the common folks. The Sadducees were the elite. They were the priests. They were loyal to Rome and the government more than they were to Judah. There was the great Sanhedrin, which consisted of 71 men, called sort of the Supreme Court. And then there was a lesser Sanhedrin consisting of 23 Pharisees, and they handled more minor issues. And the next slide, uh, 24, there was another party that broke away during, under the Roman rule uh, called the Essenes, which were uh, modest people. They were uh, pretty silent. Uh, they lived where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found around Qumran, and they, some of them didn't believe in marriage or having sex. They adopted children. Uh, they were really, really um, overpious, I guess you would say. Uh, they, they were called sons of Zodiac, the men of the community. They were called members of the covenant or states. But they didn't have much. They're not even mentioned in the scriptures, so they didn't have much of a a part to play in all this. So slide number 25. So Judea, Judaism 
became Phariseeism, and the Pharisees developed this religion of which became Talmudism. And this is the religion that Jesus was uh, fighting about in the, in the scriptures. He was fighting against this religion of Talmudism. <clears throat> so slide 26. In the scriptures, Pharisees are referred to 95 times. You see only 14 times. So you can see the, the most attention here. Uh, let's go through a few scriptures. Um, for example, Acts 23.8. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angels or spirits, but the Pharisees confess both. So this is what Luke said. He gives us about the only description of the differences between the Sadducees and the Pharisees in the scriptures. And boy, I tell you, there wasn't much nice said about these guys in in the writings in the scriptures. Um, <clears throat> I think I'm on slide 20. Uh, I think it says Matthew 3, 7. This is John the baptizer. He says, but when many of the Pharisees and Sadducees came to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, he called them, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Uh, slide, um, what am I, 89? Because Jesus went to the synagogue and even read the scriptures in the synagogue. He was likely raised as a Pharisee. And since all of Jesus' disciples were common men, they were likely of the Pharisees. Nonetheless, Jesus had a lot to say to the Pharisees, their Phariseeism, their Talmudism, and their traditions. Slide 30. Matthew 15.1. Matthew 15.1 says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do the disciples transgress the transgressors? For they washed not their hands, where they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God by your traditions? Um, slide 31, Matthew 15:6. Thus have you made the commandments of God of none effect your tradition, ye hypocrites. Well did Isaiah the prophet unto you, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for the doctrines the commandments of men. Slide 32. Matthew 14. Jesus said, Let them alone. They'd be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. He's talking about the Pharisees. Slide 33, Matthew 16, 6. Then Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Matthew 16, 12. Of the doctrines of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So he's talking about both Pharisees 
the Sadducees here in their doctrines is like the leaven of sin or untruth. And then there are several more on uh, slide 34. Matthew 23. And there are several of these where he calls them hypocrites. And he calls them blind guides. And blind. He calls them blind. And he calls them serpents and generations of vipers. So this is the Jesus speaking to uh, about the Pharisees. I mean, this were people of his uh, upbringing. I mean, he was part of this people, but he was really, um, well, it was part of his mission to make them upset so they would actually kill him, but he was really putting it to them here. And next slide, 35, Luke 11.43, Luke 11.43. Thank you, Tony. You're keeping up. <laughs> You're keeping up well. Uh, oh, poor Tony, his fingers going miles an hour. Um, Luke 11:43. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogue. So there we have Pharisees are tied to the synagogue. And greetings in the markets. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now, the scribes were the rabbis. And, of course, they scribes means they were the writers. They were writing... All they could write in this Talmud, all the um, rabbinic teachings and traditions and laws and thoughts and ideas, whatever rabbis did. In slide 36, Luke 11:43, and he said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens, grievous to be born, and ye yourselves touch not the burden with one of your fingers. I remember Welch talking about a guy who um, had a shop, and the, these laws were so burdensome that he, he wanted to lock up his shop on Friday night and go to the synagogue. Well, he locked up his shop, and he had this key in his hand, and he couldn't carry the key to the synagogue because now that's a burden. So he had to, he had a real hard time figuring out what to do with this key that he couldn't carry to the synagogue. That's how ridiculous this Talmud and all these laws were that burdened the people. Of Slide 37. Luke 20, 12, 1. And he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees. This is hypocrisy. So you can see, go on and on, but, you know, Jesus didn't have much good to say about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So slide 30 are some of the noted Pharisees. Well, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Gamaliel was a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee. Anyone that had anything to do with the synagogue was a Pharisee. The Sadducees had nothing to do with the synagogues. Slide 39. And this is Philippians 3.5. Paul said this. He said he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. So we know that Paul was a Pharisee. 
But he was called out of that Pharisee, thank God. And the next slide, I think slide 40, um, Galatians 1.14, Paul said, And profited in the Jews' religion of many of my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So, Paul talking about traditions. And he said, zealous of the traditions of my fathers. Near the end, before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, there were actually Jews that were called zealots. That was another sect of uh, Judeans called the zealots. Slide number 41. Since Paul was a Pharisee, that's why he always went to the synagogue first in most cities. And slide number 42 says, I think Ronnie talked about this two weeks ago, when Paul wrote in his epistles to the Hebrews, and writing about angels, he was likely to believe in angels. And I think Barney talked about this uh, two weeks ago, when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 15, about if there's not a resurrection of the dead, but then we're all done. He was likely talking about these who did not believe in resurrection from the dead. I'm on slide number 43. Acts 18.8, uh, Crispus was a chief ruler. So Crispus was a Pharisee. Acts 18.17, Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue. He was a Pharisee because he was tied with the synagogue. 44, Acts 4.1. Notice this, as they, which were the apostles, and the apostles were Pharisees, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them that they taught the people and preached Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So now you see that the priests and the captains of the temples were Sadducees. And they didn't believe in resurrection from the dead. So they were they were speaking against these Pharisees, these apostles. In the next slide, 45. So now as you read the Acts, and even the Gospels, you'll see how many times high priest and the chief of the temple and the Sadducees opposed the work of the apostles, including Paul, because they were all Pharisees. The apostles were all Pharisees. The next slide shows, and I looked this up, there were seven Pharisees as, I guess, the Judeans talk about. But there is a, um, the shoulder Pharisees. Now, this guy carries his deeds on his shoulders for everybody to see. And then there's the wait a minute, wait a moment Pharisees. They find excuses to delay and not to do good deeds. 
Then there's the bruised Pharisees. These guys would avoid any contact with women or looking at women, but they'd run into walls <laughs> and, and doors and whatever. Uh, that's funny. The reckoning Pharisees, they would reckon by doing these. Oh, I did something bad. Now i got to do something good to make up for it. And then there was the pestle Pharisees. Their head was always bowed so low they could hardly walk, but it was like a pestle in a mortar. It was extreme humbleness, uh, pestle Pharisee. Then there was a the Pharisee of the fear of consequences. They served God out of the fear of punishment. And there was the Pharisee of love, which serves God out of love. I suppose Paul would have been one of those last ones there. Uh, Welch describes Paul as a Pharisee that, you know, tell me what to do and I'll do it even better than anybody else. I'll do it to the utmost. So, slide 27, the Sadducees ended when the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. No more temple, no more Sadducees. They had nowhere to go. And they were probably all killed because the temple was destroyed and they were probably guarding and protecting the temple. So they were probably wiped out to a certain extent anyway. The Pharisees still continued on. And they're even not there today in modern Judaism, in Talmudism. You still have Pharisees. Uh, slide 48. Phariseeism, in my opinion, continues today in the religion of Christianity to their uh, doctrines and traditions. Um, they're still preaching the kingdom gospel and uh, the uh, Judaism. Like Paul said to Peter, why compel us how the Gentiles will do as the Jews? I think that's what Christianity is doing today. And then on slide uh, 49. So if, if you get nothing out of this study, remember this, and it will help you greatly when you study this. Pharisees, middle class. Pharisees, synagogues. Anything doing with synagogues was the Pharisees. The Talmud, the Pharisees held to the Talmud instead of the Torah. The Talmud overtook the scriptures um, even in Jesus' time. And they were likely the Pharisees were all in the diaspora because they were scattered around. They weren't around the temple. The temple was in Jerusalem. So the diaspora were likely all Pharisees. And they set up synagogues in all the cities that Paul went to. And that's where those were Pharisees. And so even the ones you know hated Paul and running out of town, those are Pharisees. But, the, but they didn't like the Gentiles. The Sadducees are the elite. They're the priestly type. Uh, they're all temple and Torah, temple and Torah. That's where they stayed. They were all around the temple. They never left Jerusalem. They were a temple. <clears throat> Slide number 50. Are there Pharisees in the future? Well, when I read Revelation 1-4, I read it this way. John to the seven synagogues, which are in Asia. Because when John wrote that, there weren't any churches. Synagogues in Asia. Revelation 1-20. The seven stars 
are the angels, or what were called the overseers, were called angels of the synagogue. So those are the seven angels of the seven synagogues. In Revelation 3.9, it talks about them of the synagogue. So there were false Judeans and false Pharisees in the book of Revelation. Number 51. And this is my takeaway from this. Although Pharisees get a bad rap, but you think about it, if it weren't for the Pharisees, would Judaism have survived the onslaught of Hellenism? If Judaism or Phariseeism had not survived, would there be a Jesus Christ? See, Paul was called out of Phariseeism. The apostles and believers were being called out of Pharisee during the Gospels and Acts. And the last one, I want to relate that to what we have today. <clears throat> you know, we give the Roman Church a bad rap and how they took Christianity. In a, you know, if it wasn't for Constantine, would Christianity have survived at all? If, there, if the Roman Church had not survived, the church in Rome, if Constantine hadn't come in and embraced Christianity and they'd all been wiped out, where would the believers be today? There would be no body of Christ called out of the believers. So Phariseeism, past, present, future, has its place in God's overall plan. So all this... Uh, is part of God's plan. You know, they get a bad rap, and we we know um, they're all throughout the New Testament, but I think this study will give you a better understanding of uh, how to see these different groups of people and how they developed, where it came from, and what Judaism had to go through to survive just to get to the New Testament. And um, I hope this is uh, some of this information comes from the internet, and you know you you don't know what to trust there, but I think it's uh, it's fairly fairly true. And um, some of the dates here I used are Bullinger's dates because some of the dates you know you read about are uh, maybe a hundred years off when it comes to the Babylonian captivity and and the second temple period and so forth. So hopefully um, this is edifying to you. Hope you got something out of it. And that's it for tonight. And uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for these uh, bits of information to fill in our uh, blank spots in our studies. And we hope that it edifies you and the Holy Spirit and your Son, and our head, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.